What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. A new report is claiming that Apple is discussing a $2 billion per year bid for all of Formula One's global broadcasting rights, similar to their exclusive setup with Major League Soccer. So today I'm going to break down why Apple is interested in a deal, how their current partnership with MLS is going so far, the future of broadcast per streaming, and much more. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this deep dive into the strategy of Apple and the business of Formula One. So let's get right into it. Okay, so let's start by talking about Lionel Messi. When Lionel Messi announced that he was going to be joining Inter-Miami of Major League Soccer this past summer, everyone was shocked. You know, some people say they expected it. No one expected this. People were shocked. He was wrapping up a 20-year European career with stops at FC Barcelona, of course, and Paris Saint-Germain. He had just won the World Cup with Argentina, finally capturing the one trophy that he valued most. And that's without even mentioning that Saudi Arabia's Sovereign Wealth Fund was offering him $1.6 billion to become the face of their domestic league. Now, keep in mind, at $1.6 billion, there was a large upfront cash payment from Saudi, and this country doesn't impose any personal income tax. That means that no one on earth was going to be able to beat their offer, at least financially. Because Messi did the unthinkable, and he decided to join Major League Soccer instead. Now, I've heard from some people in and around the situation that part of Lionel Messi's decision was driven by his ability to further his legacy by growing soccer in the United States before the 2026 World Cup. Maybe that's true, but no one turns down $1.6 billion just for legacy. That's why Major League Soccer had to get creative. It started with David Beckham and Inter-Miami offering Lionel Messi $55 million plus per season in cash. Adidas, the league's official kit supplier, then sweetened the deal by agreeing to give Lionel Messi a share of any increase in revenue the company saw from him his MLS jersey sales. But the deciding factor was actually Apple. Now, some of you might know Eddie Q. He's the company's senior vice president of services, and he is a huge sports fan. So when he heard that MLS was trying to get Lionel Messi, he decided to make an offer from Apple's behalf and create a historic part of the package. Apple, of course, had recently become MLS's primary broadcast partner. They did a 10-year deal with the league worth $2.5 billion, so $250 million a year. And the world's largest company, we're talking about Apple, agreed to give Lionel Messi a percentage of the revenue generated from new subscriptions to Apple's MLS season pass. So this had never been done before in the history of sports. I literally do not know a single time that this has ever been a thing. No one, not Michael Jordan, not Tom Brady, not Roger Federer, not Serena Williams, not Michael Schumacher, not Cristiano Ronaldo. No athlete ever had received a royalty deal from their league's broadcasting partner. But Apple was willing to take a chance. They had already committed $250 million for the next 10 years to the league. And why would you not just give him a small piece of the upside for a larger pie. Well, they did, and things couldn't be going better than they are. Lionel Messi agreed to an Apple TV Plus documentary as part of the package, and he has frequently been posting Instagram stories to his nearly 500 million followers with Apple TV discount codes. I've seen a bunch of them. I'm sure you guys have too. He posts them on his stories with a direct click-through to sign up for Apple TV on game days. He says, hey, I have 500 million followers on Instagram. If you guys want to go watch me play, Click through right here. You get a discount for signing up today. Obviously, that's incredibly valuable, and Apple would be paying a lot of money for that regardless. So it makes sense that they would put this into their deal. They're already paying $250 million. 
And like I said, it's working, which is the best part. MLS season pass gained more subscribers in Lionel Messi's first month than they did in the previous nine months combined, right? So MLS season pass, which is inside of Apple TV, it's their subscription service just to watch MLS games. They gained more subscribers during Lionel Messi's first month in MLS than the previous nine months after launch combined. They also gained 110,000 new signups on the day of Lionel Messi's debut alone. Literally 110,000 new signups on his first game that day alone, 24-hour period. Furthermore, about 20% of those people that are signing up for MLS Season Pass are also filtering down and subscribing to Apple TV Plus as well. That's a pretty good conversion rate at 20%. And that led to Apple TV seeing their best month ever with 833,500 new signups from the United States in July alone. So Lionel Messi is not just driving subscriptions to MLS Season Pass. He's driving a bunch of subscriptions to Apple TV Plus too. He's getting people in the door to come watch him play in MLS. They see what the subscription service has to offer. They end up upgrading their package. Again, about one in five people are doing this. And it led to literally the best month ever for new US signups in the history of Apple TV Plus in July, 833,500 new signups. And now Apple wants to replicate this success. I mean, it's not surprising. There's other sports leagues and they want to go and do this on a global scale. The streaming service has already signed a deal with Major League Baseball that gives them exclusive rights to some Friday night baseball games throughout the year. They reportedly tried to buy the Pac-12 broadcasting rights. That was obviously before the conference evaporated earlier this year. And Apple has even been linked as a potential buyer of Disney's ESPN business if they were to offload that business. But all of this pales in comparison to the recent report that Apple is considering an offer of $2 billion annually, $2 billion annually as part of a deal for exclusive global media rights for Formula One. Now, let's get into this. Apple is certainly going to face some challenges if they want to buy the global broadcasting rights to Formula One. A $2 billion bid is a great start. That's roughly double what Formula One currently makes in annual broadcasting fees. So they're giving them a huge increase in broadcast fees. And a $2 billion bid represents 77% of Formula One's $2.573 billion in revenue last year alone. So this would be huge from a financial standpoint to the business of Formula One. But there's a few problems. Formula One recently signed a three-year deal, $75 million plus extension with ESPN in the United States. They have agreements with Sky Sports in the UK and Ireland. Those agreements are in place until 2029, so six more years. And they have a bunch of other broadcast deals in various other countries that have many more years remaining on their deals too. So there's a few different ways that they could be working around this. But ultimately, the juice might be worth the squeeze for Apple due to several promising factors. And I want to run through some of the factors. And this is my analysis, right? This wasn't anything in the report. We haven't heard this from Apple CEO Tim Cook. We haven't heard this from anyone in Formula One. This is simply me just putting on my sports business hat and examining why I think Apple is so interested and would be willing to double the broadcasting rights for Formula One today. First off, Formula One is unique because it's one of the only sports leagues that is truly global. If you think about all the biggest sports leagues in the world today, even the NFL, the NFL is the world's most profitable sports. League. They make more money than everyone else. They are not a global sports league. Most of the countries around the world do not watch the NFL. They don't care about the NFL. They don't know who Tom Brady is, Patrick Mahomes. They don't know any of these guys. Formula One is unique because it is one of the only sports leagues that is truly global. It's watched by people all around the world. This is important, of course, because Apple is a global company too. They have 250 stores in 26 countries 
and billions of dollars in annual revenue from markets like the United States, United Kingdom, Japan, China, India, Germany, France, and many others. The audience is also massive, right? So we're not only talking about a global audience, but we're talking about a huge audience. The cumulative global audience for Formula One in 2022 was 1.54 billion people. The average race had 77 million viewers. If you think about the Super Bowl here in the United States, that's once a year, and they get a little bit over 100 million viewers. The average Formula One race, which happens 20 plus times a year, gets 77 million Super Bowls. So that's 2025 Super Bowls every single year. Attendance is also really good for Formula One too. 2022 Formula One races had 5.7 million people attend. That was a 36% increase compared to 2019, which was obviously before the pandemic. So if you want to look at apples versus apples, attendance in Formula One is up huge. A lot of this is driven by many other things like the series on Netflix and other things that Liberty Media has done since buying the business. And secondly, Formula One's current and growing audience is perfect for a company like Apple. It almost feels weird to say, considering previous Formula One CEO Bernie Ecclestone famously questioned why social media even existed. For those of you that might be newer to the sport or don't watch Formula One at all, Bernie Ecclestone was an old man. He was in his 70s, I believe, when he was removed as CEO of Formula One when Liberty Media bought the business in 2017. And he literally would not allow the drivers to use social media in the paddock. The teams were not allowed to post official race footage. All of that was banned because he thought the broadcasting partners would be upset about it. And he's famously quoted as saying, I'm not interested in tweeting Facebook and whatever this nonsense is. I don't see any value in it. He even went on to mention that if the advertisers are looking for stuff like that, they should go advertise with Disney, which is kind of funny now because ESPN has the rights to Formula One, of course. But the reason why I'm telling you all of this is because since Liberty Media took over, the average age of a Formula One fan today is drastically lower than virtually every other major U.S. sports league. So let me give you a few examples. The average age of a Major League Baseball fan is 57 years old. The average age of an NFL fan is 50 years old. The average age of an NHL fan is 49 years old. The average age of an NBA fan is 42 years old. So every single one of those sports, the big four in North America, the NBA, NHL, NFL, and MLB, the average fan is all aged between 42 and 57 years old. Can anyone guess what that number is for Formula One? I'll tell you, 32 years old. So even on the low end with the NBA, which has historically been a younger league from an audience standpoint, Formula One is 10 years younger on average than the NBA. That is obviously very important for a company like Apple, who is targeting a younger generation of consumers and wants to be in front of them at all stops. And also, this deal would allow Apple to leverage Formula One's intellectual property to create premium content. For example, Apple is already working on two major Formula One related projects. For those of you that haven't seen, they're working on a Lewis Hamilton documentary. Obviously, he's one of the greatest drivers of all time, if not the greatest driver of all time with Mercedes today, and they're producing a documentary on him. Number two, they're working on a Formula One movie. You've probably seen Brad Pitt around the track more recently on social media. This movie is going to be starring Brad Pitt with Joseph Kaczynski of Top Gun Maverick directing. We also all know how popular F1 Drive to Survive is on Netflix, and there are countless other potential projects that they could do with the premium and unique intellectual property that Formula One offers. And this partnership could be a real positive for Formula One too. Outside of the obvious, $2 billion a year, the world's most popular racing series has shown a serious commitment to control its product since Liberty Media acquired the business for $4.4 billion in 2017. 
Let me give you a few examples. Let's start with Las Vegas. Now, F1 signed a 10-year deal to race down the Las Vegas Strip starting this year with the Las Vegas Grand Prix. They have already committed $500 million of capital from the business to the operation to make sure this race gets up and running. But more importantly, the way that Formula One has acted historically as the owner and operator of this business is they put on the races, right? They bring the circus there. They bring the drivers. They bring the cars. But they don't actually own any of this stuff. They don't own the tracks that they race on. They don't own the cars. They don't own the teams. They don't own any of the hospitality going on. They're not even selling the tickets. They're not doing anything. They're literally just organizing the events, sending the stuff there. And then all of these other businesses are profiting off of it, right? So the teams are making money. Obviously, there's businesses that are selling the tickets. There's hospitality businesses. The race promoters themselves are making a bunch of money by hosting the races at these tracks. And the reason why I tell you this, again, is because Formula One with the Las Vegas Grand Prix is going to do this themselves. They're going to promote the race themselves for the first time ever. Literally the first time ever they're going to be doing it. That means they're going to be selling the tickets. They're going to be selling the sponsorships. They're going to be organizing the hospitality packages. They're going to be arranging the food, the beverages, everything. They're going to be doing. Now, some of this they may opt to go hire people for or whatever, but they're going to be in charge of every single thing down to the cars, down to the track, down to the food that people are eating at the race themselves. And the reason why this is important is because I think Formula One's going to make a lot of money on the Las Vegas Grand Prix. The CEO of Liberty Media has literally come out and said that they expect to make a lot of money on this race. And my guess is that if everything goes off without a hitch, they're going to be doing much more of this race promoting themselves in the future. This increase in control is also apparent in other areas, like Formula One buying Quint Events. Quint Events is the company that runs trackside hospitality. Formula One bought them for $313 million recently. They also took back broadcasting rights, the control of broadcasting rights from the Monaco Grand Prix. For those of you that don't know, Monaco is the most historic race on the Formula One calendar. And because of their place in history, they historically have had a lot of advantages from a contractual standpoint when it comes to Formula One. They were paying a fraction of what other races were paying to host. They were managing the broadcast themselves with the local television company. They were in control of the sponsorships and all of that. But when Formula One went back to renegotiate the contract a year or two ago, they got all of this back. They got control of the sponsorship. They're now broadcasting the race themselves and they raised the hosting fee to be a little bit more in line with some of the newer tracks are paying. So again, this all leads back to control. We're not only talking about how Formula One has a global fan base and a huge fan base. We're not only talking about how the fans are much younger than all the other sports leagues. We're not only talking about Formula One's valuable intellectual property. We're also talking about how Formula One themselves want more control over everything. So look, we'll see what happens. Part of me says, this is a terrible idea. This is a silly idea. Moving from an open-end broadcasting deal to a closed-end streaming deal is the quickest way to stunt the growth that Formula One has seen from an audience perspective over the last few years. But part of me also likes the idea because let me tell you this, many people hate on Apple's deal with MLS. They hate how everything's getting fragmented. I was telling someone the other day that as a sports fan, I literally have access to every single streaming service you could imagine. We're talking about Netflix, Peacock, Amazon, Apple, cable, YouTube TV, Sunday ticket. I literally have everything you can imagine because I want to watch all these games. So everything has become more fragmented, which a lot of people obviously hate. I agree with that by and large. But if you're already a fan of the sport, you're a Formula One fan or you're an MLS fan or whatever, having all the content in one central place is becoming increasingly important. And it's a luxury because of that fragmentation, right? So if you're an MLS fan, you may like that you can go to Apple TV and just see literally everything in one place. All the teams have tabs. You can watch practices. You can watch stadium tours. You can watch the games. 
Everything is right there. That obviously doesn't exist for the NFL. It doesn't exist for the NBA. It doesn't exist for the NHL. It now exists for MLS. And it is difficult if you're trying to bring new fans in, which was one of the reasons why many people did not like the MLS deal initially. But Formula One already has a huge audience. So maybe the people running the business say, we'll double our broadcasting rights, even if that means cutting off some of the distribution that we have on the cable side. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to tell. We're probably still a couple of years away from this deal actually happening if it would happen because of some of the contracts on the cable side. But as always, I'll keep you guys updated as things progress. I hope everyone has a great day. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Please share it with a friend, subscribe to the podcast feed, and we'll talk on Friday.